this is not a test. This is rock and roll. Time to rock it from the Delta to the DMZ. Did he say DMV? It's game day, baby. Terps kick off March Madness 12-15, and we got a surprise episode today. Who thought the Turtleheads would drop an episode on Thursday, the day of March Madness? This is for all the AWLs, and we have a good one for you today. Tricky, Dave, myself, and we have guest speaker Dave Neal to get us ready for the game. Let's go, Terps. So you're wondering, how in the world do we have a turtle heads in the middle of the week? Well, we gave you all a selection show Sunday, but we said, you know what? The AWLs want more. They want the old, regular podcast. They don't want the special. They want it all. So here we are. We got Tricky and Dave in the studio. It's Wednesday, March 15th, and let's talk a little bit of everything. What do you want to start off with, Tricky? Uh, Well... I'm so full of the tournament right now. I feel like you know we still have more to give in that regard, and we won't spend too long on it. So you want to talk uh, the tournament? I I do want it. I, I I just haven't said enough about it yet. And uh, hey, get, I, I this whole say, month, the, the whole next month, that's all you folks are going to hear. But uh, we'll we'll try to mix it up. But no, right now uh, we didn't have Dave with us yesterday when we did our uh, selection show. So um, yeah, let Dave. Have I'm, it, I'm I'm curious as to what Dave thinks about not only how we were seated, but where, and uh, what does is, what is our bracket look like, Dave, as far as Maryland getting past uh, first or second round? Well, I've, I've had uh, almost 24 hours to think about it, and uh, I think we were seated right. I think the eight seed was proper, but I, I don't understand some of the logic behind it. Like, if we're an eight, I don't really understand how Miami's a five, and – the ACC is supposed to be so much weaker than the Big Ten, and we we beat the crap out of them. So, mm-hmm. and I I really don't understand how we're the technically the last eight seed. So it, I mean, eight nine game, you're going to be in a rough spot. But I I like our chances against West Virginia, and then you just you roll the ball out and you play because we beat Purdue this year. They're a number one seed. 
We've played right there with Tennessee. UCLA is the only team. Really, so we're battle tested. So and it's March. Anything can happen. So I know we sat here three months ago and said we wanted to be on the bubble. We wanted to sweat it out. But I mean, we we're in, and now it's time to play ball. So I'm not. I was a little upset yesterday, but I'm re- I'm ready to play now. Well, I got looking at something. We finished uh, the season rankings. I read somewhere. I think it was on IMS. They had us like 23rd team, and that would put us at like a six seed. So I just that's what I don't understand. How do we go from there to to an eight seed? Yeah, I I really wish there was a a set like formula yes. that yes. they instead of it flip flopping every year. I, I'm assuming the quad one wins. I think we are three and nine in quad one games. I don't really understand that because I don't see how some of these wins we had weren't quad one. I don't know what qualifies for quad one. I think they have to be net 75 or net 50 to be quad one, and it's got to be a road game or a home something, something odd. And I guess the lack of road wins probably factored in on our lack of quad one wins. I think some of the teams we beat at home were, would have been quad one wins on the road. Well, the, the thing that upsets me is you look at it, and like you said, they just need to be a set formula. Because this is almost like what the BCS in football. So we have the Ken Palm, we have the Quad Ones, we have the RPI, the BPI. I feel like every year something new comes up. Why can't there just be a set, a set uh, formula to roll with? Because, like you said, I remember in 2016, we got the last four seed basically is what we were ranked, and you know good and well we were better than the last four seed. I think we got screwed that year in the tournament. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's it's about the dollar. I mean, they want people guessing. They want to have some kind of flexibility to set these dream matchups up, mm-hmm. and if they have a set formula, then that kind of takes that out the yeah out the window, you know. Well, uh, Dave, you mentioned uh, Miami being seated well higher than us, and that was the first one that jumped out at me. But then I'm also looking at uh, Illinois, who is a nine seed, so they're they're not that much. I mean, I thought we were much better in Illinois, and then I look at Michigan State at seven. Um. I feel like that had more to do, at least in the Michigan State Department, with the head coach because they want to see uh, Izzo and, and all that foolishness. But um, but as far as how the bracket breaks down for Maryland's chances, I mean, West Virginia, no pushover. Um, but if we get past them, well, then we, we might have a hard time, um, you know, in, in the following round. But uh, – I'm I'm optimistic. I'll say that um, there there are some uh, upsets in our bracket. Um, the way they've got them laid out, uh, you know, Utah State and Missouri at a seven ten matchup. I could see that going the other way. I'm not as worried about my Creighton Blue Jays taking on NC State as some others, but uh, College of Charleston five uh, twelve matchup with uh, San Diego State that could go the other way. Um, and then was it Seth Davis yesterday said he had uh, UC Santa Barbara upsetting Baylor in that bracket. And I, I think he was just trying to go hot take on that one. But as crazy as it sounds, I don't think the Sweet 16 is out of reach for Maryland. That's for sure. Well, I uh, actually saw a Washington Post retweet. Emily from the Washington Post. It's called the perfect bracket. They had us beating Alabama. Look, I know it's going to be a long shot. But like Dave said, get past West Virginia. And let's just see what happens. I mean, crazier things have happened. Yeah, they, it, it happens every year. Last year, North Carolina was eight, and they yep. they went on to be the they made it to the championship to the game. Fi- yeah to the final four national championship. So it happens. I mean, you got you got to play the games. I think the West Virginia matchup. I think it's 
I, I'll be honest with you. I haven't really watched them play all that much this year, but it's just the thought of playing a Huggins team in the tournament that mm-hmm. kind of scares me a little bit. You know, they're always – Physical. Yeah, they're going to rough you up. And if Jameer has one flaw, is if he gets physical. Exactly. Yeah. Like, if they let him push him around, it's bad news. And I know they're – I think they're transfer heavy. I'm pretty sure they got a transfer guard and a transfer center. I think the center's from Texas. I think that's their two leading scores. I do think – I think I remember that. But this isn't – I know everyone wants to say, what was it, 2014 we played? This isn't the same West Virginia team yeah, yeah. in 2014. I mean, they have 14 losses on the year. I think Purdue pretty much wiped the floor with them. So, I mean, there's – but you can't judge by that either. But they're beatable. I mean, so I think it's going to be a good game. I don't really know if I like the, the noon tip. I mean, I guess that could go one of two ways for us. But I guess it's good to have all the eyeballs on you and – kick it off i'm sure the guys will be really fired up and everything but well you got kendron johnson he's a fifth year from temple you got emmett matthews from washington you got trey mitchell from texas you got jose perez from manhattan eric stevenson from south carolina i think eric stevenson is their leading scorer he's the one in joe tassant remember him from iowa yeah he's playing with them now so they are definitely transferring. Yeah, heavy. well, that's that's the that's college basketball right now with this transfer portal. I mean, it's 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 crazy. Well, um, I think this is probably the best matchup we could have gotten for our team the way it's constructed, uh, mainly because a I think we will beat them, but as you mentioned, you know, it's never going to be easy against a, a Huggy Bear team. So, what better way? to prepare ourselves for the rest of the tournament than to have a tough, uh, hard play matchup against a West Virginia. Uh, Tricky might be right. What if we go out there and battle, you know, granted, let's not go into overtime, but just a good game, win by five or six, but Alabama steamrolls their team. Maybe they're a little lackadaisical. Maybe we carry that into the second game. Yeah, and and we've proven this year that we can can play with these teams and neutral site, we get deep into the first half. The whole arena is going to be rooting for us, yeah. you know, except for the Alabama fans. Everybody wants to see the one seed get beat. I yeah. mean, that's right. So, yeah, maybe I mean, it's, it's not working their fair. Yeah. I mean, yeah. like I said, I'm. I was a little bit upset when I seen the air state, but I'm, I'm happy to be in the tournament. Happy to be back in the tournament where we belong, and we'll see who are the other nine seeds. Well, that's what I was Tricky was talking say. about. I know, I know, Florida I International. I didn't really want to play them because they're unknown. Exactly, and I mean, I would have took Auburn. Yeah, Auburn's yeah, Auburn, nine, Illinois, and, and Florida Atlantic. And we, the other we couldn't get Illinois. Uh, yeah. So, right. so let's reverse it. Let's say we fell to a nine seed. I would have took a Memphis. I think they peaked the other day. I think they only played good against Houston. To be honest with you, uh, I would have took Arkansas. We would have loved that matchup. The old must bus. Yeah, Arkansas is. They're built for a tournament. I think like they. Yeah, I've got them making a couple of runs. Yeah, I, they could I play with. They're in with Kansas, right? That's what they I, could definitely, right. definitely give Kansas a good game. I think they're built. I don't think they'll beat Kansas, but could you imagine this? Could you imagine? Let's just say, I mean, you got a good chance. I think Iowa can beat Houston if they're hot. I think Iowa can beat. Yeah, Houston. because with with Sasser's uh, injury, I yeah. mean, they roll with him. You don't know. I mean, that's a growing injury, so yeah, I, that's all eyes are going to be on that. That's who I really wanted to be in the. Yeah, I, I, I want to be. You Houston. know, and but it, it works the way it works. I had a feeling. I do believe I'd rather be going up against Alabama than Kansas. Oh, I agree. I agree. Um, Kansas just has an athlete at every single position. I mean, they got guys that would uh, on their bench that would start for other teams. So uh, they're way too deep. Um, I'm glad we didn't have to face Arkansas. Uh, 
that was what I was fearing going into Selection Sunday because they're the t- kind of team that would uh, get us into foul trouble early. And they're deep too. Yeah, and and that's that's really what we have to uh, concern our, ourselves with, especially with my guy Juju. And uh, you know, I've been on Swan Time Bomb all season, and uh, we don't have Lee Ramsey in studio with us today. But I was texting with him uh, earlier in the week, and I feel like in some of these games we should get uh, Swan and Roger in there early, just so he can absorb some of these fouls that Juju's having to take. Uh, and maybe uh, keep Julian in the game uh, later so he doesn't get into foul trouble. But I will, uh, I will say, your boy, the reason his playing time has gone down is because of um, Patrick Emelian's play has just stepped up. Yeah, and, and I agree with Chris. That's another key to beating West Virginia. We have to keep Juju on the floor, I think. He's been probably our most efficient player this last stretch. I mean, I know Jameer's been good, but – He's been a double-double machine. Every, almost every single game, yeah. And I know some of the fouls we think are uh, – but a couple of them against Indiana the other day, he just made bonehead plays, like reaching over the top of somebody and then trying to swat a shot that you didn't have no business. I know there were two of his fouls. I get frustrated when they call him on them back-down fouls. Yeah. Like, but, but different officials, you know, it's going to be – I think it might be called a little tighter maybe. Yeah, I mean, it could help us. It could be both ways. I mean – I'm ready. It's going to be interesting. So, last time all four number ones made the Final Four, 2008. So, the rarity of all number ones making the Final Four is very rare. So, I don't know. I like our chances. Let's just get past West Virginia and let the let the dice roll. I mean, we lose Thursday at noon, like Dave said. It sets us up for a long weekend because the greatest weekend in sports, your team could be done by 2 o'clock. Yeah, it's, it's depressing. It's uh, I'm looking at the bracket now. It's pretty – I mean, Arizona, Creighton. I look for Creighton to make a run. They could be in the Elite Eight. Uh, Baylor, it's it's tough. I think this. I think the South and the West are probably the, oh, definitely the two hardest. Yeah, brackets. the two hardest brackets. I mean, the West is loaded. I don't think they did any favors to Gonzaga or UConn, who I thought were. I think. I, I think College of Charleston has a chance for a Sweet Sixteen. Creighton has a chance for Sweet Sixteen. Um, yeah, I seen a stat the other day. I should have wrote it down. It said since two thousand two, every champion has been in the top. 25 in offensive efficiency in the mm-hmm. top 30 in defense efficiency. And there's only five teams in the tournament that's that's that. And I know UConn's one of them. Uh, you I mentioned know, uh, you mentioned Gonzaga, Dave. They've got Grand Canyon in the uh, opening round, who I thought was a little high at 14. Uh, isn't that the school where Thunder Dan Marley was coaching a few years back? I, I believe so. Okay. I, uh, Do you and, know who uh, coaches there now? I believe one of the uh, it's the, the Baylor boys, one yeah. of the Drew, yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's Bryce Drew, yeah. They uh, actually, I hit a hit a parlay the other night with them. They they tapped off my parlay the other night. Well, thank you, Grand Canyon State, for uh, letting the whites eat. That's good. Hey, hey. So th- this is a lot of a lot of mouse feet over there. Boy. That's right, <laughs> Grand Canyon. Uh, but you mentioned the uh, the number one seeds not making the final four since what was it again, Jordan? Oh uh, eight or something. Yeah, Two thousand eight. I I could easily see not a one in this year's bracket making the final four. Um, and now the twos are great. Uh, UCLA, I have them going all the way. Uh, Marquette, you know how I feel about my um, Big East teams. Uh, Texas, they are they're probably one of the top. Three, I'd say the I'd have them at number three if I had to rank them right now. Arizona, I'm a little iffy about. Uh, but did you hear about Chris Beard? Oh yeah, 
Breaking uh, news. That's big yeah. news. I heard that this morning. Um, Ole Miss is ready to uh, back the Brinks truck up for uh, Chris Beard as the charges were dropped in the domestic violence case against uh, the former coach. I also read that uh, Georgetown is going to make a hard push at Penn State's coach as soon as they're – as soon oh, as they're did? out. Yeah. yeah when they I was were, hearing Ed Cooley. I heard that today. Well, did him too. I think they're the two names I heard. Uh, what's He's, his name? Strasburg? Yeah, Strasburg. Because yeah. uh, a lot of people are saying Ed's using them for leverage again. Like he tried with well, That's job. what he did with us. Yeah. I mean, no, we talked about it uh, yesterday because that came up on the screen when we were doing the selection show about the Georgetown coach uh, or the uh, Penn State coach going to Georgetown. I felt like that's kind of a lateral move right now because Penn State had a great year. There's no uh, conference bigger in basketball right now in the Big Ten, uh, especially since we're going to have uh, USC and um, UCLA coming in in a year or so. Um, and Georgetown, they just they can't get the athletes because of their ath- academic uh, requirements. Uh, and nobody since John Thompson Jr. has had any success there. Um so uh, I, I don't know so much about that. I, I know it's an honor to even have that Hoya uh, name on your resume, but right now in the landscape of basketball, I don't know that that's the best move for him. Well, I definitely think it's a better job. I think it might come down to do you want to coach at a football school or do you want to coach at a basketball school? Yeah, well, that's what, you know? Jordan, that's what Jordan was saying yesterday when we brought it up. When, when he went, was there live uh, in Happy Valley, it was just – Nobody showed any interest whatsoever in uh, what was going on uh, indoors. It was all about the uh, football team, even though it's not even football season. And the wrestling uh, team, uh, right? I was going to yeah. say that the, the wrestling team uh, took half their uh, fans away because uh, they had a tournament the same weekend. So, uh, yeah, I see your point there. Um, so, Dave, help our listeners out. Who's your dark horse to make the Final Four? We did that yesterday. Let's hear yours. I like UConn. I don't know if that's a dark horse being a four seed, but uh, I mean, I could see him beat Iona. I think I think it's going to be a good game. I could also see Iona winning that one, but if UConn is scared, there's a lot of teams. Well, I, yeah, I, I'll throw out a couple. I think, I think UConn. I think Creighton could make a run. Man, it's so tough. I mean, while you're looking over the bracket, Dave, that's where I was. Kentucky, yes. Kentucky's definitely getting hot, and uh, I hate to say it, but Duke's been as bad as hot as anybody. I'm hoping and they, they got a lot of talent, and it looks like they're starting to put it all together and that's yeah that could be scary too yeah i'm not happy about that i hate to have to give them any credit but um now when the question was posed to me yesterday on the dark horses of course you know i want to go yukon because i am your voice of the big east here on the Turtleheads podcast but uh i had to go with my blue jays i've been on them from preseason rankings yeah they, and i i think they got up to number five in the country this year and then yeah. they they hit a, i think they had a couple injuries yeah, they, they, had a, they lost like what Six in a row. In the yeah, now they've right they've right the ship. And that's the same thing with UConn. I've been I was late on UConn. I'm not a big Dan Hurley fan. Don't like him at all. I don't like no Hurleys at that's all. That's right. So I mean, that's right. That's just I don't even like. Let's get that out of there. The yeah, father. I'm yeah. sorry. Not a Hurley. I, I'm sorry, Mama Hurley. But uh, yeah. just just no love for the Hurleys yeah, here. On the I floor. don't I don't even like Paige Hurley just because his last name's Hurley. Now nah, I'm just kidding. <laughs> sorry, Paige. Yeah. But uh, no, I'm not a Hurley fan. But when I seen them numbers with the efficiency with the net. And I think they're well, they might be primed for a run. I've always been a closet UConn fan anyway because I was a was a big Calhoun man. Oh yeah, big Albert Morning guy. Yeah, well that's right. I, I just so. love Jim Calhoun. Uh, one of the greatest press conferences I ever saw. They were uh, there was a report 
that he was the highest paid state employee in the state of Connecticut. And they talked about it for a week until they finally got the nerve to ask him about it. And they led the press conference off with it. And the reporter was trying to ask him, do you think you make too much money and would you? And before he could get the rest of it out of his mouth, he said, not a dime back, not a dime back. (laughs) And he had the record to uh, back that up. And nobody would even know that the state of uh, Connecticut was on the map if it weren't for what him and Gino did with those Huskies. So uh, always a Calhoun guy. I'm pretty sure Willard's the. Yeah, Maryland. Yeah, I'm pretty sure he's the highest paid state employee. And well-deserved, sir. You've earned every penny so far. And I want to clarify one thing about the UConn closet fan. That was until the Rudy Gay situation, and I was not a big Calhoun fan at all. So So let's uh, go back to the bracket. So which 12 seed and higher, so 12th to 16th seed, do you see making the second weekend a St. Peter's, Oral Roberts, uh, Florida Gulf Coast type? Well – here I just did say how good Duke's playing, but I think they got a rough match up there with Oral Roberts. I think that might be their toughest game of the first weekend. Absolutely. I think they – I'm pretty sure Oral Roberts just barely lost to Houston, and I think they lost to uh, Gonzaga this year, and I think both games are really close. Well, that's who Shane King had yesterday. He was saying nobody ever wants to face uh, Oral Roberts in the tournament. He was also high on VCU, was uh, – Shang, as some call him, but uh, my number 12 was uh, uh, at College of Charleston, yeah. uh, San Diego State matchup, because San Diego State's got a good club, but they show that they can lose to anybody at any time, and uh, and Charleston, they've had an up-and-down season. They were hot earlier, and it looks like they, they've started to get it uh, back together, so uh, well, that's the one I looked at, the one in our south bracket. The reason I'm looking at that one so hard is because I think College Charleston can beat San Diego State, and I think Furman can beat Virginia with their offensive issues. So then you have a 12-13 matchup possible. So one of them's got to advance to the second weekend. I think that's why Furman and College Charleston have the greatest odds of making that second weekend. But, you know, you see your Drakes, your Kent States. They don't really – I mean, they've got some tough matchups. Uh, Let's see here. VCU, like Shane said, I mean, they could get a chance. Maybe Iona and VCU could see each other with the right matchups. But other than that, Boise State, they're a 10 seed. Also, for all the betting fans I have right in front of me right now, Maryland's all-time record in the round of 64 is 22-3. and three. So, chalk them up. They win, they win first round games. Xavier, College of Charleston, Santa Clara. So, that's going to wrap up for now our college basketball talk. We are just a day away. Noon tip, Maryland versus West Virginia. Thursday, first game of the NCAA tournament. So I hope you get to call in sick, get a vasectomy tricky, whatever you got to do to get home and watch your Terps play your Mountaineers. I guess this would be the Jordan Mont versus Will Overholt robbery. Before we get to our guest speaker, Dave Neal, we'd like to thank our sponsors over at Jones Creek Design. I know we've talked about them before for AWLs, but if you're a new listener, Jones Creek Design, located here in the Eastern Shore of Maryland, if you need craftsmanship at the highest level in woodworking skills, that would just blow your neighbors away by what he can bring to your house. It's just amazing. Whether it's built-in cabinets, whether it's art that hangs on your wall, whether you're one of those people that want an American flag distressed hanging in your office or your man cave or your team logo hanging in your man cave, this is the company to do it with. They sell great products. They stand behind everything that they make. And once again, like we've said before, our Turtlehead Studio was designed by Jones Creek Design. They have great taste, 
great craftsmanship. Give Jones Creek Design a follow on Instagram and message them about a woodworking or craftsmanship piece that you want to bring to your house. Once again, our sponsor, Jones Creek Design. Now, without further ado, here's our interview with Dave Neal. Pressure is going to be too successful. All right, like to formally welcome on the show the former mayor of College Park, Mr. Dave Neal. How you doing, sir? Everything's good, man. Can't complain in my world. Exciting time of the year, uh, being a college basketball fan and former college basketball player. So excited to be on the podcast. Uh, thanks so much for having me and talking Maryland hoops. So Dave, Dave was kind of like a uh, the white whale of the podcast. So we reached out to him and. He would hit me with like a like on my message, but wouldn't respond to me. I'm like, man, this guy just doesn't want to come on the podcast. Then all of a sudden, he would he would like one of my stories. I'd be like, well, maybe he does want to come on the podcast. So I reached out to him, and we were finally able to nail down a date. And uh, we've been staying in touch here on Instagram. Thank you to the social medias out there. But uh, we've been following all Maryland basketball. Dave, still a big Maryland fan, of course, right? Is that right, Dave? 100%. Yeah. Yep. And, and we've already talked about it. he's definitely going to try to make it to the Big Ten tournament next year. He's uh, got a connection out there. We'll, we'll speak of that a little while down the road. But let's start off with, Dave, talk about your high school career at Bishop O'Connell. Uh, yeah, it was it was absolutely amazing um, and really kind of opened the door and the eyes to me of, of the potential I had from a, <clears throat> from a basketball career. Um, didn't really know where kind of what sport was going to, take over my life and eight, it was about eighth grade Joe Wooten and his staff came into one of my AU games and sat down with my mom and dad and was like we really want Dave to come to O'Connell um, and the rest was really history I um, came in there freshman year um, and it's kind of been the slogan of my I guess of what my former career was around basketball is I was kind of a under the radar type guy um, and came into O'Connell kind of with that same same um, persona and really kind of had to live up to the hype. So freshman year I came in, I thought I was going to play varsity, start and kind of be the star of the show and started off playing with JV um, and did my thing on the JV team, dominated about halfway through my freshman year. I got brought up um, and the rest was kind of history. I mean, we had a, I mean, I think two out of the four years we were top 10 in the country. We had some amazing, amazing teammates there. My best friend still today was Marcus Ginyard, who played at uh, Carolina during the same time I was in Maryland. But um, I have to give her a lot of credit to Joe. I mean, Joe kind of was always in my ear, always pushing me, kind of told me that I had the potential to be the basketball player that I was. And getting the schedule and the national media coverage that we got throughout our four years, um, I think really showed people that I had potential to play basketball at the highest level. Um, and the one story I kind of like to say is, Going into my senior year, I had a I had a bunch of offers, um, and they were kind of mid mid major, lower, um, not as t top of the, of the table that I thought I could be. And 
I sat down with Joe um, and the team and the staff prior to my senior year and had a great conversation. They kind of put things in perspective and, and really challenged me and pushed me as a player to say, Dave, if you firmly believe that you have that capability to playing at the ACC, Big Ten, SEC level, push those offers aside and really focus on becoming the best player that you can be. And, and I really took that to heart and um, went into my senior year with that mentality of not knowing where I was going to go to school, but I had aspirations to play at the, the highest level. And uh, my senior year, I, I, I finished second in the running for All-Met Player of the Year um, and just had an overall amazing, amazing career at O'Connell. And it wouldn't have been for Joe if he didn't come to one of my games, eighth grade AAU, to sit down with my parents and, and persuade them to to make me come play in the WCAC. And But overall, it was a I mean, we had some amazing wins. We played against some amazing players, um, played in the same gym as some amazing athletes that are playing in the NBA today. So it was just overall an, an absolute amazing experience. Well, Dave, I have a question. Um, you said you were runner-up for player of the year, your senior year. Who was better than Dave Neal? Do you even remember the guy that won it? I, I do, um, and it still kind of is a pain point to me today because I felt like my senior year, nobody really had a career better than me, and I don't like to bash people. It was Dante Cunningham, so he played at St. John's. He left St. John's and went to Potomac High School his senior year. and I mean, he had a great senior year, uh, but he left the WCAC to go to a, a public high school. And just the caliber of talent isn't as good. And stat-wise, he had maybe averaged a couple more points than me and about the same rebounds. Um, but <clears throat> I think they won on and, and won everything and 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 had all the highest achievements and what he could do in that in that league. And I mean, he's obviously had an amazing career after. Went to Villanova and is still playing professionally overseas. Played in the NBA. Um, but I think coming from the, one of the best conferences in the in high school basketball, the WCAC, and what I did senior year, I still still a bit of a pain point, but I still believe I, I should have got all my play of the year. So it's kind of the equivalent of you were taking all advanced courses your senior year, and uh, Cunningham took the uh, easy classes and then won valedictorian. Very spot on. You couldn't have given a better example. Well, <laughs> looking at it, I mean, Dave, my my favorite part was when you were when you were a Terrapin. And we'll get into college in just a minute. But a lot of people are like, who the heck is this Dave Neal? Like for four years, who is Dave Neal? People don't realize it. And I'll be honest with you, I didn't realize it. Looking at your stats from Bishop O'Connell, 20 points per game, 13 points as a rebound as a senior. You led the team to a 31-3 record, named MVP of the Invitational Tournament in Cumberland, MVP of Virginia State Tournament as a senior. You were a baller. And I don't think people realize that. And I'm going to give the opportunity on our on our Turtleheads podcast. This is going to be the Dave Neal home podcast. We're going to be the biggest fans of Dave Neal. Even though you're not playing professional basketball anymore, you were a baller, man. I just don't think people – you ever I, got the respect that you had. Uh, I completely agree. I mean, I I mean, there's a lot of people that come out of the D.C. area, D, DMV area for out of high school. And, I mean, obviously my professional career isn't as nearly as close to some of the players that I played against. But I think from a high school perspective alone – my career and my stats can challenge just about anybody um, from a player perspective. I mean, I think as a as a team at Maryland or at O'Connell for four years, we were 113 and, and nine or something like that. Um, and we ran the table. We had one year to do everything where we won the WCAC. We lost in the city, city championship to Cardoza. 
Um, I was a little banged up. My shoulder was giving me some issues and we didn't perform as well. But um, from a career perspective in O'Connell and, and Joe will speak to it still to this date, I just got inducted in the Hall of Fame with Marcus um, back in November. But I, I mean, I would I would go up against anybody career wise, stat wise for what I did. My four years at O'Connell is top of its game from a basketball perspective. Oh, I mean, uh, I'm sure you had uh, excellent players on that high school team along with you. But I mean, the average uh, 29 wins a season uh, at that level of high school basketball is something there's something to be said for that. Now, did you grow up a Terp fan being that that close to the school? I did. Um, my dad took my brother and I to a bunch of games at Coldfield House, kind of grew up watching Gary and his teams in Coldfield House and that atmosphere. And it was really the reason why when I got the phone call from Gary walking out to the senior parking lot, um, I think it was like April after the season was over, um, why I accepted the offer. I mean, I never took an official visit. Um, I mean, obviously I knew who Gary was and, and what he what he brings from a coaching pedigree. Um, but yeah, my we I went to a handful of games and, and remember going as a kid and just watching Gary fired up on the sidelines and the way he kind of coached his teams through some amazing victories. Dave, so you're you're telling me you basically bet it all on yourself. Are you are you a Ravens fan? I'm <clears throat> I'm not. I'm I'm a Commanders fan. Oh my! All right, we won't hold that against you. We won't. <laughs> but but I'm sure you remember Joe Flacco didn't sign that contract. He bet it on himself. Went and won the Super Bowl. Got paid. You basically did the same thing as a high school senior. You bet on yourself. You had the offers there. You thought you were deserved more, I guess you should say, than what you were getting. And then sure enough, it paid off. In April, after the basketball season, you get that phone call. Like, I, I just can't imagine. Like, what, 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 a, what a move by you. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, I was one of those players that kind of thrive under pressure. Um, and I kind of put that pressure on myself my senior year. I mean, Joe was a big – advocate for me to do it because Joe obviously knew my potential. I mean, he knows what it takes to be kind of that high caliber D1 basketball player. And I put a lot of trust on his shoulders and he kind of led me down the road that I needed to do, put me in the positions that I needed to succeed. And obviously it was on me to capitalize on those situations. But I felt like the senior, my senior year couldn't have gone as, as picture perfect as it did to give me that opportunity. Um, to to even get the chance to receive a scholarship from from Maryland. My final three schools were Maryland, Clemson, and Georgetown. Um, it's a funny story. I was actually going to commit to Princeton. Uh, I took an official visit up there. John Thompson III was the coach there. Loved it. Loved him. Loved the school. Um, about two days before accepting it, he called me. I'm taking the Georgetown job. We don't have any available scholarships. You can walk on your freshman year, and we can readdress it your sophomore year. Was still open to it, um, but it wasn't obviously a uh, huge excitement for me. And then I took a visit to Clemson. I did like Clemson. I liked kind of how they presented themselves to me when I came on the visit. But, I mean, I always grew up a turf fan, and I always knew I wanted to play for Maryland, and that was kind of my dream as a kid growing up. And so when the when the call came in, it was a, it was a no-brainer from my perspective to go in there and kind of live that dream as a child that to, to be a turf and, and play for Coach Williams. Um, it, I mean, it really was a dream come true, and it was, it was really what my senior year was really played for. Uh, I can't believe uh, the opportunity to uh, be able to go to even, even qualify for Princeton or Georgetown. And it had to be a tough decision not to go with uh, the Hoyas because not only did you have JT3 as the head coach, but at any moment you could look up into the uh, 
the top row of the uh, seats and then just see Big John standing there in the hallway looking down with the yeah. towel on his shoulder, uh, that would have been a great experience as well. But I'm, I'm glad you made the right call uh, and stayed home with the Terps. Um, yeah. As I, sure. as I entered the, the studio, I came in a couple minutes late. I hear you're in Bogota, is that correct? Yeah, we're currently in Bogota, Colombia. My wife works for the U.S. government, and uh, we've been abroad as diplomats for going on about four and a half years now, um, and enjoying kind of living that life overseas, seeing different cultures. We have, I have two young daughters. My four-year-old is kind of is fluent in Spanish, and just hearing her and kind of the the experience that she's endeavoring on kind of being overseas and in these schools has been awesome. Well, I only have one question about your Columbia experience, and that is, have you seen any of Pablo Escobar's hippos? <laughs> I have not. We haven't made the trip out there yet, but we've had some friends go out there. Um, I think it's outside of Medellin. Uh, he has a he has his house. It, now it's like a, a, a you can go there as a tourist and walk around. The embassy does some work with the hippos um, from like a veterinarian standpoint to kind of keep them healthy, but we haven't had the chance to go out there and see them yet. So Dave, let's move into College Park. So you arrive as a freshman 2005, 2006. The team didn't have the greatest year, uh, needless to say, missed the tournament for the first time in a long time. Talk about that team, that first team as a Maryland Terrapin. Talk about your first Gary moment, everything that happened your freshman year. Uh, now you're making me go back in time a little bit. Um, I mean, just, yeah. So my freshman year, I mean, we had, it was Nick Kenner medley. I mean, we had, a, we definitely had a squad that was, was very talented. Um, a couple of things didn't go our way. I believe we had some injuries. Um, obviously from my perspective, I, it was more, my mindset coming in there was what can I do to make the team a, a better team overall? Um, I'm I'm pretty transparent about it. My first three years, I was strictly leaned on to be a practice player and really come in every single day to to give the most energy that I can to to better everyone that had actual impacts on winning games. And I give a lot of credit to Rob Isom. He was a grad assistant when I started and moved on to the coaching staff throughout my career. But he was kind of my wingman that kind of really got me motivated every single day, told me to push every single day to to be the best that I can because that one day and it kind of it goes throughout my entire career, you're going to have an opportunity. And I can't tell you when that opportunity is going to come, but when that opportunity comes, you need to be in the best position, the best shape, the best mentality to, to capitalize on that. And that's kind of what was my mindset for pretty much my first three years, every day showing up once I crossed those lines for practice, even for games when my time was occasionally called, I was always in that mindset that I was going to go out there and, and give everything that I could. Um, and that's that's really kind of what I exemplified, I felt like, from my perspective for the first kind of three years before my time was called upon. But, I mean, just walking into the Xfinity Center when it was called that, um, it, it, was, it was just like my heart still beats super fast even when I walk back, to, when I go back to see games. It's just the adrenaline, the history, the players that went through there. Um, obviously, Coach Williams' career through there and Cole Fieldhouse. It was just, it was, I mean, it was really just a dream come true um, and really kind of a, a a huge reward for what I kind of put in earlier in my career at O'Connell and my AAU days to, to really kind of pay off and go in there and play with those types of players every single day, learn from those types of players and just be around that type of talent. I mean, I'm not the most athletic guy, but seeing some of these guys like Mike Jones, James Giss, 
flying above the rim, playing at that level was it was just a, a chance of a lifetime for me. And that obviously motivated me every single day because I wanted to be as good as them. And they pushed me to be to, to be the best that I could. Well, uh, I've uh, looked through your bio a bit over the last few days and I uh, saw where Dirk Nowitzki was uh, the player that you tried to emulate uh, perhaps or at least was an idol of yours. They didn't ask as much uh, of you on the offensive end at Maryland. Uh, do you feel like if, if given the chance uh, to be more of an offensive option instead of having to uh, hold down the post all the time, um, do you think that would have uh, – maybe made a difference for you in college or did you not only accept the role but did you kind of become more comfortable as that glue guy doing the dirty work uh instead of more of an offensive option like you were in high school yeah I mean I knew that was a bit of a sacrifice that I was probably going to make kind of going to kind of an ACC Big East type school um that I wasn't going to be that go-to scorer that I was at O'Connell getting called on and in, in, in game-winning situations to have the ball in my hand. Um, and and that's where I go back to Robbie. So, I mean, he's like, if you really want to make an impact, you really want to be the player you can, you got to go out there and give your 100, 110% every single day. And if that's going out there and and battling against Tyler Hansborough for 40 minutes and, and just being as physical as you can, that's what you need to do. If it's going out there and getting two or three rebounds in a very important time of the game, that's what you need to do. Um, and that's really the mindset that I took as a player at Maryland. I, mean, I wanted to be the guy that was going to dive on the floor for a loose ball, that was going to take a charge. I didn't really care about the, the points per game. I just was really in the mindset of trying to make the team as as best as I could. Um, and if that was doing the dirty work, uh, pinching guys, elbowing guys, pushing guys, um, that's really what I enjoyed doing. Um, and I think what the fans kind of enjoyed the most about me, they knew that I was going to go out there and, and kind of get dirty and, and fight my way to, to what I needed to do to make the team win in the games that I had impacts in. Well, you mentioned having to go up against Psycho T. Uh, you had to use every tool in the box. You're talking pinching and elbowing. That guy could throw an elbow, man. Um, very yeah. intense player. Was that the team you looked forward to playing the most? Obviously, the challenge of uh, defending a guy like Hansbro. But then also you get to face your former teammate, Marcus. Was was that the the one game you circled on the schedule each year? Yeah. I mean, I always loved playing Chapel Hill uh, and playing – playing UNC, if it was in the Dean Dome, if it was at the Xfinity Center, I mean, that's that's the one game that kind of got me over the excitement. I mean, every game I obviously was as pumped as I could be. I was a five-hour five energy guy. Uh, I took one before every single game, and there were some games UNC were the most where I would take one at halftime where it would really get my adrenaline going just because, I mean, the history of UNC, the players you were playing against, to say that you can go out there and and, and compete and beat them, was was an accomplished for me and I, I make the joke still today I mean our senior year we, we were the only team in the country that beat UNC and Michigan State um, and so I tell Marcus and still Tyler to this day that we were national champions champions by default because we were the only team that beat both the two teams in the finals well that win over Carolina um, that was my national championship that season uh, that's one of my favorite Maryland Terrapin basketball games of all time uh, just an incredible experience just watching it on television. So I can yeah. only imagine what it was like being in there, uh, 
you know, trade. I mean, there was a lot of pressure on us. I mean, we needed, I mean, they were number one in the country. We needed a, a big win to, to obviously keep our chances to get into the tournament. And I mean, it was one of the most electrifying games I've ever been on. I mean, I still remember taking that charge towards the end of the game with Tyler. Um, but yeah, I mean, I mean, that's, that's kind of what you live for. And, and that's what we saw this year in college park. I mean, they were undefeated in the big 10 and, it's huge kudos to the fan base there that come out there and support the team and the alumni and just the fans in general. I mean, that place, when it's bumping, that place is is unreal. And there's really nothing that I feel like you I'll ever experience. Um, when the place gets as loud as it can, they start chanting, they start screaming. Um, it's it's a magical place, man. I, I, it's, I guess that's the best way I can put it. Well, if we're going to talk about taking charges and physical play, you know what we got to talk about. The play that made you famous. Your senior season, <laughs> you put Nolan in a concussion protocol. Talk about that screen. Just, I mean, obviously, I know you didn't You didn't think it was going to turn into that. I think you thought, or at least I think you would think, that Nolan would have looked up and saw you, but it was just a blindside by the book screen. Yeah, I mean, it was, I mean, it was, it was very legal. Um, I mean, that's, that's the price you pay. At least that's the mentality I have. If you're going to guard my, if you're going to guard one of my teammates, 94 feet, I'm going to step in there and try to relieve some pressure. And that was my mentality. And it obviously worked in a, a very strong fashion and then going down and hitting the three after um, was kind of an exclamation point, but it's a funny story because I, I grew up with Nolan Smith. We played AAU ball together. I mean, it was there was no ill intent in the screen at all. He just happened to be in the wrong place at the wrong time. But I got I heard a wrath after um, after the game. They went back to Durham, and supposedly he lit up um, the big guy that was with him was oh, uh, Brian Zubek. Uh, Zubek, yep, yep. Yeah, uh, he literally. I I heard that he just went off on him for not calling out the screen or doing anything and obviously it's the environment i think it was super loud and he probably didn't hear him he was he definitely didn't call out the screen i remember that but <laughs> it's funny to hear that he he kind of went off on him but yeah i mean it it's still around today I, i'm actually a part of a, a march madness pool with a bunch of guys i don't even know but it's called the dave neal march madness bracket and they kick <laughs> off the bracket every year they they link the screen to the email chain and um friends still today talk about it it was actually funny my wife still gives me crap today but it was the first thing i showed her on our first day to really show her what <laughs> was. um and i think sealed the deal uh we're still married today so I, I say it still works but yeah i mean it it took off i mean it's it's pretty awesome to say that you have something like that on on your on your resume um that people still talk about it, and i think we'll continue to talk about it for for quite a bit of time, just because it was against Duke, it was at home, and then we went down and hit that three, and the place just went up. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That was just a great game. Um, so, moving on, what people don't realize is Dave Neal averaged eight points a senior year with four rebounds. You were a key part of that team's success. Uh, we talked about with Eric uh, last week, Eric Hayes. It kind of sucked that this team lined up against Memphis and, of course, Tyreek Evans, who had – all the motivation in the world to play you all. And we talked about that yesterday on our selection Sunday uh, podcast, how the NCAA loves storylines. And it's just funny how you all ended up with him. Who knows what yeah. the team could have been with Tyreek, but you know, things happen for a reason. It is what it is, but that team, that 2017 and that 2019, they're very much unappreciated. Yeah. They didn't make it as far as we like to in the tournament, 
But the 2017 was a great team, and 2019. Out of those two teams, what was your favorite team to be part of? I mean, I'd have to be. I'm a little biased. I mean, both teams were exceptional, but I'm a little biased just because I was this only senior on the 2019, kind of leading the charge, um, along with Graves, Landon, Eric, um, just to name a few. Sean, I mean, I could go on forever with that team, but. Um, I would I would say the 2019. I mean, the 2017 had a ton of talent. There was a lot of upside. People were talking about the potential of making a deep run in the tournament. And in 2009, everyone was like, this is going to be a horrible season. The team's not good. Their starting center is about six foot seven and can barely dunk a basketball. And I mean, we used all that as fuel um, to really kind of show people like, doesn't matter how talented your team is. It doesn't matter how athletic your team is. If you guys come together and you play well, and you work your ass off every single day, the opportunities is, is endless. And that's really the kind of the, the mindset that we had that entire season is we wanted to show people that you guys can talk bad about us. You guys don't think we're talented, but we're going to go out there and we're going to compete our ass off every single day. And that's what we did. And we made a, a great run in the ACC tournament. We made a good run in the Big Ten um, or in the, sorry, not the Big Ten, NCAA tournament and won a game. Um, and I think a lot of the people out there didn't even think that we were going to be over 500. And so, I mean, that, that season was special in itself for me, me being the kind of me being the lone senior and driving the team every single day, just for more of a, an energetic, energetic and, and mindset. I mean, Gravis was the, the catalyst for that team, but the, the 09 team was special. I'm looking forward to getting back and hopefully getting the crew back together because it's been too long um, that we haven't gotten together and kind of just talk chop. But, um, but I mean, both those teams were special, but I, I, I'd lean towards the 09 team for sure. All right, Dave. So let's uh, fast forward to the, this year's team. Um, I know it's kind of probably hard to keep up being in a different country, but I'm sure you can follow them on social media and stuff like that. So let's talk a little about, a little bit about post-graduation, uh, Let's talk about the coach for 10 years, Mark Turgeon, and then now Kevin Willard. Just talk about the difference you see already as a former player between Turgeon and Willard. Um, I mean, you can from a from a player standpoint, I mean, you just see that the team feeds off of Willard's energy way more than um, the teams did under Turgeon. And, and I mean, I don't want, want to speak bad about Turgeon. I mean, Mark was an amazing recruiter, um, and no one can kind of take that away from him. Um, but it's tough. I mean, when you're at that level, the littlest things get exposed. And if you don't make the right call at the right time, if you're not making the, the right substitute, if you're not choosing the right play, <clears throat> um, obviously comes all back on the coach. And I think there was a lot of times where, in my opinion, there should have been some decisions made that weren't made during the game. Um, and it just caught up to Mark and or Coach Turgeon, I guess, is the better way to put it. But um, I think with Willer coming in, it's, it's a change of face the energy levels are much higher. I mean, the team goes out there every single day and plays their ass off. I mean, they're talented. It reminds me a little bit of an 09 team as well, where, I mean, every single day they go out there and they give it 110%. Um, and they they really bought in to, to Coach Willer's mindset uh, of, of playing defense every single game, grinding it out, being gritty. Even if you're down 10, 15 points, the game is never over. And you would see a lot of teams under, under Turgeon where they would get down by – a couple 10 15 points and you could just see their faces were just like down and I felt like with with kept with coach Willard's teams you don't see that um no matter how much they're down I feel like he always feels like they have a chance to win and his team especially this year is has really exemplified that throughout the entire season 
Well, it sounds like to me if you happen to have one year of eligibility left that you would actually fit in really well on this year's Terrapin squad. Um, obviously, you've mentioned the effort that you put out there, and I've never seen a player for University of Maryland play any harder than you, and we all appreciate that. But just uh, your ability to shoot from outside when necessary, your willingness to go inside, and I think most importantly, just the, the energy and the effort that you brought every day, I could see you fitting in very well on uh, the team as it's made up right now under Willard. Could you see yourself uh, – Maybe setting one of those screens for Jameer or uh, taking a little bit of the uh, rebounding uh, responsibility would, off of Juju. I would love to do that uh, in any capacity. And I mean, there, I feel like there is a similar player. I mean, I don't know him personally, but Patrick Chameleon, I mean, he lit, he kind of wears that same hat for this team. He is the glue guy. Obviously, he's not starting and comes off the bench, but you can feel when he comes off the bench and either comes in for Juju um, or Dante Scott, if he does some time, there's the energy level kind of increases. Um, and he's coming out there, he's guarding the biggest guy and he's not the most tallest guy out there. He's, he's diving on the floor for loose ball. He's getting those dirty rebounds. He's throwing those elbows. And it, it's just great to see that that mentality is kind of back where they're going to go out there and they're going to fight. And he, and I feel like it's such a short time that coach Willard has been there. It is already showing. I mean, Dante Scott looks like a totally different player um and so on but i mean that patrick really kind of i feel like i love watching him play because it reminds me of a little bit of myself I and mean, he's obviously much more athletic than i am and can play above the rim but just from the energy kind of bringing the team together and making sure all the guys are playing as hard as they can is, is something that I, kind of just brings a smile to my face when i feel like i'm watching the game well give yourself a little bit of credit dave uh I will admit that he is a little more athletic than you at this point, but I mean, it's been a while since you've put on a, a Terp jersey, so uh, don't be too hard on yourself. No, no, I appreciate it. And I, I'm actually in, in pretty good shape right now. I, I wish I could go back and be another practice player for a day or so and just kind of go out there and battle it out with the guys. I, I will say, Dave, you, you look in better shape now than what you did when you were playing four years of Maryland. It, is yeah, it I, I don't it, yeah, I, I don't know about. I mean, I, mean, I was in pretty good shape back at Maryland, but I, I am. I have to say, I mean, the Pel. I'm a big Peloton guy, and all the Peloton users out there, big shout out to you guys. But the Peloton has really changed my life from a fitness perspective, and it's it put me at a way. It's put me at a position where I feel like if I'm going to go out there and play basketball, that my body's in a state where I could go out there and compete. Maybe not at the the D1 level, but I mean, if I was a practice guy and Coach Willard. Says we got a lot of injury. We got a lot of injuries. Any former players want to come out there and practice for a day or so? I'd be the first one to show up, and I would love to go out there and battle again. So you're saying, uh, if ever there's an alumni game coming up, the other guys better uh, get on their bikes because you're already ready. They better get on the bikes for sure. Well, Dave, let's I'll be a there in a heartbeat. If there's an alumni game. Whenever that is, wherever I'm in the world, I will definitely be back there and and, and showing up ready to compete. We're going to make this happen. The Turtleheads are going to start uh, pressuring the uh, administration to, to make this a, a reality because uh, I'd love to see you out there on the court one more time. For sure. So, Dave, let's finish this interview up here. First off, we're going to say it again. Thank you so much for coming on. Uh, we appreciate it. Just a great Terp, great man, the mayor, former mayor of College Park, Mr. Dave Neal. But how we finish off every interview, if you're good with it, we do rapid fire. Are you good with that? Let's do it. All right, we'll start it all. So, favorite artist? 
music artist, by the way, not not uh, art art. <laughs> Favorite music artist. Um, I'm a, I'm, I'm going to do a group. I'm a, I'm an ORA guy. Nice. Oh, um, OAR. Sorry. OAR. OAR. <laughs> nice. So then we're going to go with no sauce, just fries. Who are you taking? Like what? What restaurant or fast food place has the best French fries? At least uh, here in the uh, lower forty-eight, not out there in uh, Bogota. I'm a Burger King guy. Whoa! First one to say Burger King, and I'm right there with you because their burgers are better too. So it, it doesn't make the fries taste oh, any worse. Um, Jordan asked the music question. Did you have? Because obviously, when you say Dave Neal, you think energy. Was there one song that you had on in the headphones before the game that that kind of helped ramp that energy up? Down with the sickness. Aha! Yes, <laughs> yes, yeah, disturbed. Very my, good. No, I don't, that was my headbanger. Get in the mindset. Let's roll. Let's play. Let's party. Oh, that that song would pump up the Pope, dude. So yeah, <laughs> no, that that's the perfect song. All right, how far is this Maryland team going to go? Be bold. I think they can make it to the final four. Let's go, Dave. Oh, and and you're not uh, you're not really putting yourself out there on that one because in yesterday's uh, uh, selection Sunday special that we aired, uh, Jordan had us going all the way and winning the chip. So uh, there's a lot of optimism okay. behind this year's team, oh. and we couldn't be more excited having uh, Willard at the helm, that's for sure. And, Dave, I don't know if this makes you feel better or worse, but your 0709 team, I had Maryland going all the way. I told them no matter what tournament I put in, if it's Maryland in it, they're going all the way, baby. I love it. I love that mentality. And I think we – I mean, I think we got a chance, man. If we play like we play at home, I don't. I think we can beat any team in the country. Coach Willard's already making an amazing impact um, in the, the, ter- the terminations behind them for this tournament and excited to see how they show out. Well, look, Dave Neal, thank you so much for coming on. Great interview. Hope all is well. Stay in touch, brother. I appreciate it, guys. Thanks so much. Let's thank you. Turks. Yes, sir. I like turtles. All right, Tricky. Boogity, boogity. Boogity, boogity, boogity. Let's go racing, boys. Uh, hottest driver in all the land, William Byron in that number 24 Chevrolet, uh, Hendrick Motorsports. He's taken over what used to be Jeff Gordon's car. That is two races in a row, winning your Ruoff Mortgage 500 at Phoenix one week after uh, winning in Las Vegas. So, uh, and we also had uh, Kyle Larson in fourth. Kevin Harvick, there's a blast from the past. Still driving Fords, though. Uh, He came in fifth. But uh, that is your brief NASCAR update. Unless, Jordan, I know you're the big NASCAR fan. You've got something to add. I got a question. There's been four races. The man's won two of them, and he's in fourth in the standings. What sense does that make? Well, what are you doing the other two races? He was 25th in one, 34 in the other one. Oh, That's why. Oh, there you have it. Yeah, oh. Average it out. Oh, got the DNF on the Daytona. Yeah. All right, so there you I'm, go. I'm sure it's got to be some kind of point system. I'm a big yeah. NASCAR guy myself, <laughs> but, uh, yes, yeah, I'm sure it's a point system there, right? Yeah. Uh, they've made a lot of changes, though, to their, their scoring and their rules, and they're running in stages. They have overtime. I just didn't think NASCAR was a sport that you really wanted to complicate too much. Well, who, who's Joe Gibbs racers now? Uh, one of them is his grandson, I believe. Yeah, uh, that's my guy. 
Yeah, no, we we mentioned that one week when uh, when uh, you weren't here because I was saying that was probably the dude you were rooting for because it's uh, Joe's grandson. Um, we are looking at Denny Hamlin. Yeah, I'm a big Denny Hamlin guy. Martin Truex Jr. Yeah, him too. Christopher Bell and Ty Gibbs. Yeah, Ty, Ty Gibbs. Ty Gibbs. Is there we are. Ty Gibbs. Yeah, yeah he's a little feller, but Sammy uh, Smith, John Hunter Nemechek. Yes, that's uh, Joe Nemechek's kid. And Ryan Truex. There it is. There's yeah, your, Joe, there's Gibbs your, Joe Gibbs racing. Let's go. So let's switch now to football. Tricky, take us to the XFL. Well, uh, it looked like the XFL was dead in the water upon arrival, but uh, they've actually started picking it up here of late. Um, they were uh, set a t- an attendance record at uh, St. Louis. Yeah, on the St. Louis Battlehawks game, they had uh, nearly forty thousand people show up. Uh, that's ridiculous, but um, I think Dave is probably the most excited about the XFL because finally there's a good team in D.C., the 4-0 and Defenders, and I was told last night that Defenders was one of the choices of Washington NFL football team names, and they went against that to go with Commanders, but uh, everybody knows not only are the Defenders one of the top teams in the XFL, but they have the best fans in the league. And uh, you try to take their beer snake, and you're going to get pelted with lemons. So uh, I was watching the game last night, and it's just amazing to watch because the camera will pan to the stands, and you'll see these people going up each aisle collecting empties from other people, even encouraging other people to hurry up and finish their beer so they can get one more cup to add to the – the beer snake. Well, you, you had Seattle or St. Louis Battlehawks. That's right. And the DC Defenders. What do they both have in common? Both cities striving for a good NFL team or just a good football team. So there you have it. That's why they're both packing out the stands. Well, hopefully we can go English Premier League style and we can do uh, bottom three teams get relegated and the top three teams get promoted into the NFL. The bottom three teams go down to the XFL and then maybe the commanders would be down. That's one way to get rid of Dan Snyder. And yeah, yeah. Any news on uh, your new owner? It, it's it's in the works, man. It's going to happen soon. Who are we getting? We're making or good. Not we. we're, yeah, <laughs> or you get. You it. heard it here first. We're making good football moves right now. We're busy building a team here. You know we. Any we, truth to the rumor that they will change the name again to the Washington Amazons? Well, I hope we change it to something. I'm not a big. Comp- Commanders fan, name wise. Jeff said if he gets it, he'll uh, he'll name the Redskins again. Yeah, well, I I've been hearing that he's not even really in it in it anymore. But I mean, his name keeps on coming up. I don't know. I mean, we signed Deron Payne. I think we just signed Nick Gates to a three year deal. So yeah, good good football moves going on in DC, buddy. Good football moves. Before we wrap, because I have a question for Jordan, I heard a crazy rumor last night uh, when we got done with our selection show that the Arizona Cardinals are interested in Lamar Jackson. How does that even work? Like, how could they possibly pay him and Kyler Murray? And Kyler just got a deal, right, last year. Right. Yeah, yeah right. four years. I yeah, think. he's they, they can't even move off of him. I, th- I think at least the first two years are guaranteed on that contract. So, unless they – Well, maybe him, maybe he's been on that call of duty and he's violated his contract. That's possible, opening the door for Lamar in Arizona. Or maybe they'll make one of the guys switch positions. I could see Kyler as a little – Cole Beasley type slot receiver. 
Yeah, well, I just got a text from Lee, and he said, no worries. Lamar will be the quarterback of the Baltimore Ravens this year. So, All right. Well, it's official. Well, Chris, since you uh, were all about my uh, my commander slash Redskins, let's talk about this quarterback move that your uh, Raiders, Raiders have just made official. I was afraid you'd bring that up, Dave. Uh yeah, it looks like we're fully uh, in the Jimmy Garoppolo uh, market. Um, I was kind of hoping we would wait and see what fell to us in the draft. I, I don't trust Jimmy's health. He also is not someone that inspires the fan base. He's an okay guy, or as some people like to say, a jag, just a guy. I don't remember any wonderful Jimmy Garoppolo highlights in his career. There's no one game you can point to and say that's why we think he's going to take us to the next level. We play in probably the toughest division in the NFL, at least in the AFC. Well, minus, minus the NFC East. Right. I mean, <laughs> no, we don't get to go against Daniel Jones uh, twice a year. That's true. That's but uh, man you're talking about. That's right. Yeah. But, uh, no, I'm more concerned with uh, – building up the rest of the team we've got a good offense we've got to shore up the defense uh i was looking at uh the top 32 cornerbacks in the nfl last night out of 32 of them not one single player on that list was a las vegas raider so uh that's my main concern is our defensive backs right now um but uh jimmy g i'm kind of meh but uh, we shall see if getting another Josh McDaniel disciple in there makes a difference. And what did you guys think of the Bears move? They stole from the Panthers, man. We, I was actually in Chicago when the news broke, and we were actually eating at a restaurant, a little mom-and-pop shop. Shout out, shout out to Val and Dante over at Bacchanalia Restaurant on the south side of Chicago. And uh, the sun was going crazy. It's like, we've, we've done it. We've made a great trade. I mean, you're getting a turp, DJ Moore. And you're getting draft picks, getting rid of a first-round draft pick, first overall draft pick that, in my opinion, doesn't hold that much weight because I think this year's class is not as strong. And they get the first next year, and I don't think the Panthers are going to be very good this year. So They might have worked out. They could have the first overall pick next year, which is the pick to have next year. Thoughts on Anthony Richardson? Overrated? Underrated? I think he's highly overrated. Uh, there was a chance that he could have lost his starting job at one point during the season um, early on. Uh, apparently, he's got the best arm of everyone else, but I just don't see any – I don't see why any team would want to move up that high for a guy that isn't quite as polished as you would like for a number one um, overall pick. But we shall see about that. I, I think the um, – Carolina Panthers spent a little too much. Uh, just the picks would have been enough, but congratulations to DJ Moore. Um, he's getting out of what looks like a bad situation there in Carolina. And uh, Justin Fields with Claypool and Moore, he went from having no receivers at the beginning of last season to probably one of the better receiving cores in the NFC uh, going into next. So let's switch it back over to basketball. How about women's basketball? I know we have a couple women's basketball fans out there that have asked us to give them a shout-out. Your Maryland Shellback, female Shellbacks, I should say, as Tricky says, got a number two seed. They did get the group of death. It's like all Maryland teams did this March. We will be in the bracket with South Carolina. But the women had a great year talking about overachieving. I don't think they thought they were having much with a lot of players leaving. Angel Reese going to LSU. But they definitely conquered and overcame, and they had a great season getting the two seed. 
Tricky, what do you got on the old lady shellbacks? Well, um, they are in uh, the toughest of brackets, uh, but they will get uh, to host 15th seeded Holy Cross uh, this Friday at the Xfinity Center. Uh, obviously, expecting them to do well there. But Brenda's built quite the team. Um, you know, they started the season this year four and two, but won 21 of their last 25. The big number is seven wins over ranked opponents and four versus top 10 teams. So that gives you an idea that they should do well in this tournament. Obviously, South Carolina, the big obstacle for them. Uh, if they can overcome the Lady Gamecocks, then uh, we'll see you in the finals, that's for sure. But uh, couldn't be prouder of, of our uh, women's basketball team there in uh, College Park. And uh, in my opinion, we have the best coach in all the land uh, in the women's NCAA Division One. Breaking news, you heard it here first on the Turtlehead Podcast. Damon Stoudemire is your new coach of Georgia Tech, Ramlin Wreck. Uh, yeah, he uh, was well thought of coming out of college when he uh, left Arizona. Uh, he was a lottery pick in the same draft that uh, Joe Smith went number one. But he's been doing a lot of coaching since he retired. Um, he was director of player development at Rice. He was an assistant coach for two years in the NBA uh, with the Grizz before being a college assistant uh, at Memphis, Arizona, uh, back to Memphis again, College of Pacific, uh, spent the last couple of years as an assistant with the Boston Celtics. But I thought it was a big surprise, him getting a big uh, head coaching job at a, a school like Georgia Tech. He's never been a head coach before, even at the high school or uh, uh, even like D3 or D2 level. So uh, good on him. A guy with a checkered past. Uh, spent some time with the jail blazers in his career. But uh, definitely a scrappy player uh, as a pro. And uh, we'll see what he can do in the ACC. All right, before we uh, hit tricky trivia, let's let's hear about Jordan's uh... – Trip to the Big Ten tournament this weekend. He was in press row. I seen him on TV a couple times. Even got selected to vote on the all tournament team. So that turtle head is just thriving right now in this media game here. So uh, let's hear about it. So first off, I'd like to thank Jeff Vermouth inside Maryland Sports. Uh, this is basically my first time I got to interview Kevin Willard and Jameer down in Penn State, but this time I got to sit on other interviews, watch other teams operate. Very interesting on my part. Um, Behind the scenes, it's just unbelievable how things work. I mean, you come underneath the tunnel, you walk in, it's just it's just a different feel. Like a fan, you go into the gates, you're like, oh, okay, go sit in my seat, so set in the other. This, you have access to the players, the coaches, they had food for us, uh, unlimited food, unlimited drinks, all the Wi-Fi connections you need to set up your whole, uh, your whole guru, your computer, your podcast stuff, whatever it may be, set it up. And then, technically, I didn't have a courtside seat but the first game of the night was um, who we play Minnesota? No, yeah, yeah Minnesota. Minnesota. Yeah, yeah. Thursday night. Played Minnesota. Uh, my seat was actually up in the press box, and I looked, and there were some seats down open on press row. I said, "I'll sneak down there." So I did what I had to do. I snuck down there, got to talk to the players after the game, and then day two, they actually told us only uh, big name media was allowed down on press row, and smaller media like we were had to sit in the media room. Well, you know me, I couldn't do that. Found a seat next to the team doctor. Shout out to Maryland's team doctor. 
sat there until I was kicked out at after halftime and then moved to the other side of Press Row. But just a great experience overall. Chicago is a great city. Uh, if you ever in the area, go to Gino's East for your deep dish pizza. They're by far the best. Uh, the city gets a bad rap. It really was a great time. Uh, great city. Friends everywhere. And we got to see the river turn green actually Saturday. We didn't even know it was happening. So that was a cool experience too. But I will be going back to another Big Ten tournament. I thought it was awesome. Just a great time by all. And I appreciate Inside Maryland Sports for the opportunity. This speech is my recital. I think it's very vital to rock around. That's right. On top. It's tricky. It's so tight. Here we go. It's tricky to rock around, to rock around. That's right. On time. It's tricky. It's tricky. 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 And now the moment you've all been waiting for two times this week. Tricky trivia. Thank you, Jordan. Um, I don't know how much this is trivia or more just a personal gripe. Uh, baseball has made so many changes in the off season, but one of the things I always look forward to was the annual Philadelphia Phillies spring training game on St. Patrick's Day because even though their color scheme is powder blue and burgundy, they would wear all green uniforms on St. Patrick's Day. Well, unfortunately, folks, those geniuses at Nike uh, decided that each team can only have four different uniform scheme choices for the season. And unfortunately for Philadelphia, their Kelly Green St. Patrick's Day unis did not make the cut. So if you're like me and you love seeing them all decked out in green for St. Patrick's Day... Not this year. Thanks, Nike. Once again, we'd like to thank everybody for listening. We'd like to thank you for liking and subscribing, being the AWLs that you are. Thank you, Mr. Dave Neal, for coming on today. Don't forget, Terps play 12-15. Get your brackets in. Last chance is at 12 o'clock before tip. Get your brackets in for the Turtle Heads Bracket Challenge. It's $5. Winner take all. Let's go. Let's get it. Terp Nation, baby. Wow.